What's up, guys? Welcome into Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. It is great to be here with you as we recap week one in the Big 12 Conference. Can't believe it. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night games. It was absolutely awesome, and it is uh, so great to finally be talking football with you again here on the show. We're on Facebook Live. We are on Instagram Live. We'll be on uh, YouTube as well. If you're not on the YouTube channel, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. And of course, we'll post this up on the podcast. Here we go. Let's get right to the games and let's go in order. We'll start with Thursday night's games as we recap what took place in the Big 12 in week one. Let's start with the backyard brawl. Uh, (laughs) Before we get to that, John on Instagram Live says the Pac-12 is a dumpster fire. It is. The Pac-12 is a joke of all jokes. See the pictures of the UCLA game yesterday? They set a record low attendance for a UCLA home game. It's an absolute embarrassment what's going on there. Absolute embarrassment. So we'll get to that. Uh, But let's go to the Big 12 games. Backyard brawl is back. And I know West Virginia was the only team in the Big 12 to lose. But first off, they played a top 25 opponent. Pitt's a very good team. And they should have won the game. Let's just be honest. They should have won the game. I am so pumped that it feels like the Mountaineers finally have a quarterback in JT Daniels. They finally have a guy in JT Daniels who can sling the ball around a little bit. They've got a guy who's far superior to what Jarrett Dagey ever was. All right. I mean, that that's just the reality of what West Virginia now has to work with. And uh, when you think that to that game, to that pick six at the end that gave Pitt the win, I, you know, that's that's a ball that Bryce Ford Wheaton catches 10 out of 10 times. I guess nine and a half out of 10 times, probably the best way to put it. 98 out of 100 times, whatever you want to say. And that one just slipped through his hands. He had a great game up until that point. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out for him in that situation. But West Virginia proved that it's a better team than it has been, I think, the last couple of years. The offense is going to keep making strides. And there's a lot of reason for optimism in Morgantown. I know that one stings. I know the backyard brawl comes back. And if you're a West Virginia fan, to lose it and lose it that way hurts. But big picture, this is a much improved program much improved team, and you should be very happy with the strides that you saw on Thursday night. Now, if you want to question Neil Brown, some of the coaching decisions, I completely get that. All right, I question some of the decisions as well. Not going forward on fourth and one when you had the game in your hands with six minutes left, didn't quite get that on the other side of the 50-yard line. This is college football. You're on the road. You're trying to turn the leaf, uh, turn the page uh, with this new, you know, offense, Graham Harrell, new quarterback showing that confidence, and Neil Brown got timid there. That turned out to be a bad call for Neil Brown. But hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But if you want to critique some of that stuff, you can, but for the only Big 12 team that lost, there still is plenty of reason for optimism coming out of that game if you're a West Virginia fan. And, and that was something that as I was watching this game and thinking about this game— and obviously it's been a couple of games since that game was played, especially as the emotion wears off, I keep coming back to the conclusion that West Virginia is going to be a team that's going to compete in nearly every Big 12 game. They are not going to be stomped all over. I I do have some questions. I think it's fair to wonder about that secondary still, even though there's experience there. 
Um, you know, those guys still have yet to gel. I think, you know, you've got a, a stud running back that you need to start playing. The freshman's got to start playing, got to start playing them out of the gates. That has to happen as soon as possible for the Mountaineers. All right? I mean, that's just the reality of what you've got there in that backfield. I know you want to give the uh, ball to Tony Mathis. I would be running C.J. Donaldson all day if I was Neil Brown. That's what I'd be doing. All right? So uh, a lot of things to get into uh, throughout week one. But West Virginia wanted to start there. That was the toughest opponent any Big 12 team obviously played this weekend. Uh, But I'm looking at this and saying to myself, if I'm a West Virginia fan, let the emotion wear off and let's look at what we've got. And you should have beaten the defending ACC champs on the road on Thursday night. That's the optimistic spin you can take out of that game. Now, the other game that happened on Thursday night in the Big 12 was Oklahoma State and Central Michigan. Oklahoma State won that game 58-44. to Now, if you look at the box score, you're going to say, yeah, that wasn't really a blowout. It was a blowout. It was. Central Michigan put up a lot of garbage points in the fourth quarter. They scored 22 of their 44 points in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, don't just look at the box score and say, well, you know, I mean, Oklahoma State must have done something wrong or why'd they only win by 14 points? They were dominating this game. Oklahoma State was up 44-15 at halftime. I I mean, they were rolling. And you know what? Spencer Sanders, I don't know if this is the game to judge it and to say he's more than a game manager, but he can be more than a game manager, and he proved that. He threw for over 400 yards, four touchdowns, most importantly for Spencer Sanders, zero interceptions, right? I mean, that's that's arguably the most important part for Spencer Sanders. Ask any Oklahoma State fan, no interceptions. So he didn't throw any picks. Uh, he had 57 rushing yards. He had six touchdowns overall. Uh, Spencer Sanders had a great game. And Braden Johnson is a guy that Oklahoma, the, the casual Oklahoma State fan may have forgotten about. He got injured after the first game last year, came back for uh, the 2022 season, and he had six catches for 133 yards and a score. Uh, he was catching bombs all over the place. That guy with Brennan Presley is a nice one-two punch, and I think a lot of us kind of forgot about Braden Johnson, right or wrong, but this is a guy who, if it all clicks for him, if, uh, you know, he clearly appears to be a favorite target of Spencer Sanders, you got to feel very good about the wide receiving core in Stillwater. Now, defensively, we knew the defensive line was going to be strong for the Pokes, right? We knew that the defensive line was going to be just fine. The question was and continues to be the secondary. All right, the secondary for Oklahoma State, you lose guys like uh, uh, Trey Sterling, Harvell Peel, you lose guys like that. And it's a, those are big losses. So clearly that unit still looked green. That unit still looked raw. But if you want to be optimistic and you want to say, okay, this is a young group that's hopefully starting to figure itself out, uh, you look at what Kendall Daniels did. He had a nice interception of the game. This guy, remember in the class of 2021, Kendall Daniels, uh, one of the highest-ranked recruits to ever end up at Oklahoma State. Didn't really play last year. Comes in this year, starter, filling in some big shoes. He had an interception. It's a young group. It's going to have to mesh and mold and play better, of course, to win a lot of games in the Big 12. 
But uh, that's that's your big question mark right now in Stillwater. That's secondary. No doubt about that. But the Cowboys ultimately getting the win, getting it done, and winning 58-44 to on Thursday night. Uh, what do we have here on Facebook Live? Pete, good to see you again. Good to see you as well. Uh, how about them Horn Frogs? They look fresh and ready to make noise in the Big 12 this season. Well, let's go to the Friday night game, shall we? Let's talk Friday night. Let's start with TCU, since one of you brought it up, and then we'll do the Kansas game. TCU stomped on Colorado 38-13. to Now, I'm looking at this game, and I'm saying, okay, uh, that first half was ugly. Can we agree on that? First half was not a good first half at all. But if you're a TCU fan, you say, hey, look at the second half. Scored 31 points. Uh, you know, I still question what the play is at quarterback between Chandler Morris and Max Duggan. Obviously, Sonny Dykes thinks Morris is the guy, but let's see. But what you got to be pumped about, if you're a TCU fan, is the balanced attack on the ground. From Kendra Miller to uh, Amari DiMercato. I mean, all these guys touch the ball. Right? I mean, Sam Jackson, Imani Bailey, they racked up 275 rushing yards on the ground for 9.2 yards per Gary. I mean, that is darn impressive. And also, if you think about what this TCU team did uh, defensively the other night, you can rack up a couple of sacks, six tackles for loss. That's darn good because, uh, you know, the questions for me defensively for TCU are more so up front than on the back end. So I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, okay, that's, that's a very good place. I know it's Colorado, and Colorado's not very good. I mean, Colorado's one of the worst Power 5 teams that's out there this year. But you look at this, and you got to say to yourself, okay, uh, what I saw from TCU certainly strides from last season. And it was interesting during the broadcast, I'm watching the game, uh, they were talking about how the biggest changes, the players noted the biggest changes for TCU – in terms of uh, what they did or did not do from the Gary Patterson era to this year, is focus on nutrition. That, you know, part of me wonders if that's kind of where Gary Patterson was old school and wasn't kind of keeping up with the times, so to speak. I don't know for sure, but I I thought when the broadcasters were mentioning that on Friday on some of the changes from Gary Patterson to Sonny Dykes, uh, that was was something notable that stuck with me that stood out to me as well as I watched that game on Friday. So uh, TCU beating a bad Colorado team, but should be feeling good about itself. Now the other Friday night game, Kansas rolling Tennessee Tech 56-10. to My, I'm telling you right now, all right, I watched the bulk of that game nearly every play start to finish. Kansas football, this is not your father's Kansas football, as the cliche goes. I'm not predicting Kansas to get to a bowl game or anything of that nature. But here's going to be the difference this year. Kansas is not going to be a team that every Big 12 team smokes by, you know, 25 to 30 points. Not saying they're going to win a bunch of games. But they are going to be in a lot of their Big 12 games this year. This team had a confidence, a swagger to it that they have not possessed in well over a decade. And I know it was Tennessee Tech. I'm not trying to overreact to Tennessee Tech. But when you look at uh, having a quarterback in Jalen Daniels who is coming into his own, who is confident, who finally has some stability in that program, 
You look at the running back position, Devin Neal, Sevion Morrison, uh, Daniel Hyshaw. Haven't even mentioned Kai Thomas, the Minnesota transfer. They racked up 300 rushing yards, 10 yards a carry. I mean, they have players. They want to be a tough team in the trenches. They want to be able to beat you there. It is impressive and fun to watch. They've got some talent at wide receiver if they can get those guys the ball. They want to be tough on defense, hard-nosed on defense. I was so impressed with what I saw out of this Kansas Jayhawks team on Friday night. And, uh, you know, once again, I'm not looking to overreact to Tennessee Tech. They're a bad program. But goodness gracious, if you're a Kansas football fan, you've been through nearly a decade and a half of some of the worst football in FBS history. You've got to watch that on Friday night and say maybe something's finally starting to click. And at halftime of that game, it was on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, they rolled uh, some documentary on Lance Leipold coming to Kansas. Heck, I'd be running through a brick wall for Lance Leipold right now if I could. Jeez. I, I watched that halftime show, the halftime documentary series on Lance Leipold. I was ready to put some money down on KU to win the darn Big 12. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's how fired up I was. I think Lance Leipold's, and he got the one-year contract extension. I think Lance Leipold is the kind of guy who is uh, really going to do, by Kansas standards especially, big things, turn that thing around the right way, build a program the right way, and he seems like a genuinely good dude. I am uh, so pumped and excited for what Lance Leipold is going to be able to do there. And I think you're going to start to see those strides happen this year after KU took care of business on uh, Friday night. Before we get to the Saturday games, speaking of Kansas, hey, the wait's over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas. It's here for football season. That means legally betting on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. Hey, our picks were my picks, 7-2-1 against the spread in week one. I'm just letting you know, all right? And right now, DraftKings is getting new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $5 on anything. Get $200 in free bets instantly, all right? I mean, you cannot beat that. You bet 5 bucks on any game, and you get $200 in free bets instantly, that's as good as it gets. you got the NFL starting next weekend, week two for the uh, Big 12. Of course, it's just six days away. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code HCS for Heartland College Sports, HCS, and get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code HCS only at DraftKings. Gambling problem? Getting help's your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 plus, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas. On behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. There you go. Great way to support our sponsors. We appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, the show is free, so supporting the folks that support us, great way to grow the show, and uh, we so appreciate you all doing that and being a part of it. All right, shall we get to the Saturday games now? What do you think? Get to the Saturday games in the Big 12. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Thanks for being here. Saturday games. Let's start off with Iowa State beating Southeast Missouri 42-10. to I got a cover on that one. I had Southeast Missouri plus the 37. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. All right. 
So, yeah. All right. Uh, Hunter Deckers takes over at quarterback. If you are an Iowa State fan, you've been telling me about Hunter Deckers for a very long time, saying this dude's ceiling can be higher, higher than Brock Purdy's. First off, I'm left-handed. I love that he's a lefty. I, I love the way he flings that. Uh, us lefties kind of throw it on like a, not a 45-degree angle, but it's not, it just looks different coming out of lefty's arm than it does a, uh, a right-handed person's arm. So I'm always a big fan of left-handed quarterbacks. Steve Young was my guy growing up. And when I see Hunter Decker slinging it out there against uh, uh, Southeast Missouri State, I'm fired up for him. Dude, I know the competition wasn't good, but the dude threw four touchdowns. His one interception was a bad, bad interception. He kind of lined that thing up the whole way. Uh, but you look at the running game, Jarrell Brock's going to be your guy. Uh, is he Brees Hall? No. Is he really good and underappreciated and relatively unknown around the Big 12 in college football? Yes. Xavier Hutchinson, though, is, of course, the story of this game. Eight catches, 128 yards, three touchdowns. You know, people uh, forget that Xavier Hutchinson actually led the team in receiving yards last year. Charlie Kohler led him in touchdown catches, but Xavier Hutchinson led him in receiving yards last year. I I feel like he's one of these guys that leads his team in receiving yards, and a lot of people outside of Iowa State fans and the diehards don't really know him or don't know enough about him. So that's something that I found, I, I don't know, as I was looking back on the stats yesterday during the game, I'm like, yeah, this, this guy's a, you know, Xavier Hutchinson, I'm not an NFL draft guru, but just based on size and speed and, and body control, he can play on Sundays, and I feel like we don't really talk much about him. But having that guy as just, uh, you know, the go-to for Hunter Decker's first year as the starter, a lot of excitement there. And now, of course, you know, they're getting ready for Cyhawk. It is Cyhawk week officially. And you got Iowa, who barely beat South Dakota State 7-3 to on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. So uh, we'll get into more of Cyhawk. Don't worry. That'll be coming up later in the week. But uh, Iowa State gets a convincing win. Next up on Saturday was Oklahoma stomping on UTEP 45-13. to 45-13 in Brent Venable's coaching debut for the Sooners. Dylan Gabriel was sharp. 15 of 23, 233, two touchdowns, no picks. All right, Marvin Mims was his go-to guy, as you would have expected. Uh, Braden Willis as well on the ground. Eric Gray took care of business. And for Oklahoma, what you love to see, six sacks, nine tackles for loss. Reggie Grimes getting it done uh, in a big way. He had two and a half sacks and two and a half tackles for loss. Secondary knocked down six passes. I mean, there is a... A lot to be excited about. Ten quarterback hurries. A lot to be excited about in Norman, as you would expect. As you would expect for Oklahoma. But those first couple of drives when Oklahoma scored, Jeff Levy's offense, not that I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of Ole Miss football last year, but this thing was moving. And what I noted in the broadcast watching the game yesterday was how they said, Levy doesn't really care. It's not like he got, he's got to get in X amount of plays per game. Right, He doesn't care about getting an X amount of plays per game. He just wants it to feel fast. All right, he just, he just wants to make sure that whatever they're doing, it feels like it's moving. And that's what you're, you certainly got that yesterday. And you're certainly going to get more of that um, you know, as the season progresses. And Dylan Gabriel already looks very comfortable in that system. Of course, he played for Jeff Levy, his current offensive coordinator. They were both together at UCF a couple of years ago before Levy you know, took the old Miss job under Lane Kiffin. 
So these guys know each other. It was very evident. They are comfortable with each other, know the system. And, uh, you know, now Oklahoma, little breather, Kent State, then Nebraska on the road coming up here in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, some of these games, obviously, the blowout games, there's not a ton to to dissect and, and dive into. But as always, we're going to be doing this show every Sunday after each week of Big 12 football. And as I noted, our picks went 7-2-1 and one against the spread. All right, we, we nailed it against the spread. The only games we lost, we got a push on West Virginia. I had West Virginia plus 7. And then I had uh, South Dakota plus 25 against K-State. And I had Louisiana Monroe plus 38 against Texas. Those are my two losses. All right, you guys on Instagram Live and Facebook, let's talk K-State taking on South Dakota. Uh, Walking Den asks on Instagram Live, Pete, what do you think of Adrian Martinez's debut for K-State? Seems like they kept it pretty vanilla. Yeah, I, you know, it's not like I was like, wow, this guy Adrian Martinez looks great. No, I, I did not feel that way watching that. I mean, he was 11 of 15 for 53 yards. He he rushed for, what, a handful of yards, 40 yards and a score. Yeah, I agree. It was very vanilla for K-State. I didn't sit here and say to myself, wow, this is just lights out stuff. You know, I, I just I didn't come away feeling that about Adrian Martinez. I imagine many of you didn't as well. But you've got Mizzou on deck. The point of this game, the reason I took South Dakota is because they've kept it close traditionally against FBS opponents. But I, I figured Chris Kleiman would keep it so vanilla that South Dakota might get a cover at like twenty-seven to three. So I was wrong on that. But you know, the big thing for me is Adrian Martinez didn't make any massive mistakes. Because that's what's kind of been his M.O. dating back to his time at Nebraska, is big-time mistakes. He did not make any mistakes. So from that perspective, you got to feel good about it if you're a K-State fan. And that's, that's what matters right now. It's week one. You're playing these FCS games in many cases. You're not going to get a ton of information out of them. You just want to get enough to make sure your team doesn't look like a mess, right? And Deuce Vaughn, you know, enjoy this ride because this is the last season Deuce Vaughn's going to be playing college football. Uh, he's gone after this. And if you're K-State, uh, you know, and you're watching this guy rush for 126 yards and you're seeing things he can do, uh, not that he really had any catches yesterday, but, you know, he's more than capable of catching the ball out of the backfield and being that guy. Just enjoy it because uh, Deuce Vaughn will obviously be playing in the NFL at this time next season. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt about it. Uh, the other two games in the Big 12, as we put a bow on week one, Texas rolling Louisiana Monroe. Quinn Ewers, of course, getting the start. Did have an interception. Uh, you know, some questions early, but he got comfortable. And that's what matters for Quinn Ewers. This was, in many ways, like K-State was just trying to get on the next week, right? And that's what K-State was trying to do as they get ready for Mizzou. Texas was just trying to get on the next week as well when they've got Alabama. So it was like, get in there, get the win, and get out. And they opened this thing up in a big way in the third quarter. You know, at the end of the third quarter, they were up, what, 45-3 to three or something like that. So it was game, set, match after three quarters. I mean, it was more or less over by halftime. But obviously, third quarter is when things really opened up. Uh, Bijan Robinson had himself 70 rushing yards, had a touchdown catch as well. So you saw the guys who you expected to see perform well. Ewers got more comfortable as the game went on. Bijan did his thing. Jatavion Sanders led the way um, catching the ball. 
And for Texas, this is all about prepping for next week. That's all this game was. It was don't screw it up. It was uh, do not put yourself in a position where you're going to, <laughs> you know, be in a dogfight in the fourth quarter. That's what you wanted to avoid if you were Texas. And to Texas's credit, they successfully avoided that. And that's what matters. And last but not least, Texas Tech beating Murray State 63-10. Now, this is not your traditional Big 12 team blows out FCS team because Tyler Shuck got injured again. Oh, gosh, I feel so bad for the guy. Tyler Shuck landed on the same shoulder that he injured last year that cost him uh, the entire season after week four. Landed on the same shoulder, left side, left the game after the first quarter, never came back, was in a sling on the sidelines, and that's where you sit there and you say to yourself, this is where these games can cost you. Now, Donovan Smith, who started the last few games last year, he looked really good. I mean, I feel confident with this offense being run by Donovan Smith, but I feel better about it being run by Tyler Shuck. And he looked dejected on that sideline. He did not look like a guy who's going to be playing next week. That's just totally my read of uh, the body language that I saw. All right? That's the total read of the body language that I saw. Meantime, what you've got to be optimistic about is the fact that Texas Tech has a two-headed monster at uh, running back. And that two-headed monster is none other than Taj Brooks along with Sheroderick Thompson. They only rushed for 100 combined yards. Brooks had three rushing touchdowns in the night. But if the offensive line gets enough push up front for Texas Tech, these guys can do some real damage in that backfield as a one. They can be one of the better one-two punches in any backfield in the Big 12. The question is, will the offensive line allow them to do their thing? Will the offensive line allow them to uh, you know, put together the kind of season they're capable of having? But I don't care if you've got Walter Payton in the backfield. If you don't have an offensive line to run behind, it's going to be ugly. So if the offensive line can improve, and that's one of the big question marks going into the season, we're not going to know enough when they play Murray State. But if they can get to the point where they need to be, then Tech has itself a real opportunity to get to a bowl game in Joy McGuire's first season, which would be a success based on how the schedule shapes up for Texas Tech. Get in any questions, comments, Facebook Live, Instagram. We're going to post this on YouTube as well, so make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel for more exclusive content there. Uh, the picks went 7-2-1. and one. Yes, 7-2-1 and one against the spread. <laughs> Leeward writes, I've never been happier seeing TCU blow someone out. I know. You should feel great about it, my man. You should feel absolutely outstanding about uh, TCU blowing out an opponent. Didn't see enough of that at times under Gary Patterson, who you love, but, you know, uh, it feels like the time was right. We'll put it that way. All right. Hey, if you are on the podcast, as many of you are, don't forget you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave me a rating and a review. Let me show you on, on Facebook and uh, Instagram and YouTube here real quick. This is the koozie you get, Heartland College Sports koozie. The only way to get it is by leaving a rating and a review on this show and sending me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And subscribe, of course, to the podcast as well. We have a great season ahead, so much written content on the site, and we are so grateful for you guys. Thank you. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Carol writes... Uh, 
I'm encouraged as a West Virginia fan after our performance against Pitt. Talked about that game at the start of the show, Carol. You're right. I know you lost it when you take the emotion of the loss out of it. There's a lot to like about what the Mountaineers did uh, in this game the other night. And I think the Mountaineers, you know, if they get to a bowl game based on how the schedule is, that's a big year for the Mountaineers. But regardless, I think they're going to be in very good shape. So we appreciate you guys on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on the podcast as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. And don't forget about our sponsors over at DraftKings. Take care.